So let me ask a question this morning. What about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ? Is that good news? The good news of Jesus is that when we believe, one day we'll see him face to face. And we'll be the, the recipients of the wonderful, amazing grace that the choir just sang so beautifully about. But we need to understand that as believers, God wants us. God's purpose and plan is for us who have received the good news and been changed by the good news to now share the good news. God wants you and I as believers to share the good news. Today we're going to look at the example of a, of a person in the Bible and how they shared the good news and what we can learn from them. And the person's name is Philip. If you were here last Sunday, we talked about Philip and his uh, experience in preaching in Samaria. I want to go back to Philip today because the next section of the book of Acts talks about another episode in Philip's life and in Philip's ministry in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And to remind you, as you see on the cover of your bulletin, on the screen, and everywhere we can put it, uh, we're working our way through the book of Acts, and we're talking about how God intends for you and I to live a life on mission. Now in Acts uh, chapter 6, we see the first of four episodes of Philip in a ministry setting. The first of four. Acts 6 verses 3 and 5, we find that Philip is one of the seven. One of the seven that is chosen. And the requirements for the seven is that they be of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom in order to help the church to grow. And they certainly did that. The second episode we see of Philip is found in Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 25. This is what we talked about uh, last week when we got together, how that Philip preached in Samaria. And as he preached in Samaria, there were great results as the people heard and responded to the gospel. I want to read just the first couple of verses there uh, for you out of Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 4. It says, now, now those who were scattered, you remember they were scattered because Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen, another one of the seven, because he proclaimed the gospel and the good news of Jesus, Stephen was stoned to death. And because of that, the church scattered. Now we're in Acts chapter 8. Those who were scattered went about preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. He told them the good news about Jesus. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Philip had a successful ministry as the gospel rippled out from Jerusalem and began to spread to other people and other places. The fourth episode that we see in the life of Philip is found all the way in Acts 21. And we'll get there in a couple of years. Don't worry about that. We'll get there. But Acts 21, this is years later after the events of Acts chapter 8. We see that, that Philip is now known as Philip the Evangelist. He's living in the port city of Caesarea and Paul, the missionary, and his traveling companions stay at the house of Philip, the evangelist, who is known as one of the seven. And so those are three of the four episodes. The third episode that we see in Philip's life in ministry, we're going to talk about today. It's in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. I'll invite you to take your Bibles and turn there with me, if you will, this morning. Listen to the words of Acts 8, starting in verse 26. 
Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Now I'm being reminded, this is, ex- this is uh, immediately after the events of preaching in Samaria. Now immediately the angel said, Go down toward Gaza. Verse 27, And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. That's important to note. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, verse 31, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom uh, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Now would you stand with me as we read the rest of the passage? About him or someone else? Who's Isaiah talking about? And then in verse 35, a great verse, and we'll, we'll read that in a few others. Then Philip opened his mouth, And beginning with this scripture in Isaiah, he told him, that's the eunuch, the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water... The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Now, what does, this, what does it take for you and I to share the good news of the message of Jesus Christ? We all agree, don't we? God wants us to share the good news. Say amen if you agree with that. So what does it take in order for us to share the good news? We're going to look this morning, very briefly, at this passage of Scripture, and we're going to gain from that some some, uh, areas that will help us, some principles for the effective sharing of the good news that you and I can take. I hope you'll take some notes this morning. Jot those notes down, look back over them, and then open your eyes. We ask, we're going to ask the Lord to open our eyes at the end of the service to help us see opportunities that we might be like Philip and effectively share the good news. Did that scare you to death, just saying that? We're going to pray at the end of the service that God would use you and I to effectively share the good news with others just like Philip did with the eunuch. Pray with me right now. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and all that it teaches. Thank you for your word and the empowerment that comes from your Holy Spirit to all of us as we read your word 
and hear your word, and as we hear your word expounded and taught and preached. Thank you, our Heavenly Father, for stirring our souls even now, recognizing that you have called us to tell the good news of Jesus to others, and you want to equip us to do that. Lord, even now, motivate us in our spirits that we might have a want to, and then, Lord, give us some encouragement from Scripture that we might know how to, and then, Lord, as we go out from this place, help us to see who to share with and when to share Lord, knowing that you're in charge of it all, for your glory, in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. All right, please be seated. So four effective principles for sharing the good news of Jesus. Now let me begin to ask you, even now, go ahead and be thinking about who is someone that you know, someone that you're connected with somehow that is not a believer and a follower of Christ, and you would like to pray for them and you'd like to, to, to have someone, you or somebody else, share the good news of Jesus with him. Who is that person? Maybe right there in the margin of your listening guide, the margin of your bulletin, the margin of your Bible. Jot down that person's name. So that it'll be right there in front of you, looking at you as we go through this message today. Four, I might even call it four easy principles for sharing the good news of Jesus. Let's look and see what it requires. First of all, I want you to notice that it takes sincerity in order to share the good news of Jesus. It takes sincerity. All the way back in the first episode I referenced about Philip, Acts chapter 6, we see in Acts chapter 6 and verse 3 that it starts with me. You see up on the, on the, on the, uh, on the screen there uh, the words of Acts chapter 6. These men that were going to be set apart to help the church grow, they were to be of good repute and full of the Spirit and wisdom. Three qualities right here that lead to or exhibit the sincerity of our hearts. I want to mention them to you uh, very quickly. First is, is a reputation, our character. Uh, somebody of good repute is somebody about whom people have good feelings. They might disagree with them. They might live differently than them. But a person of good repute is a person who has a good name, a person of good character, a person, in this case, who has been converted, who is a, a follower of of Jesus Christ. is someone that not only is a follower of Jesus Christ, but they're public about it. If you're going to go out and, and help the church to grow and, and, and serve an important role in the church, you can't be a closet Christian. So, 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 so if we're going to, to, to share effectively, we've got to be sincere in what we do. We've got to be, we've got to be uh, genuine. We have to, to exhibit a changed life. There has to be a noticeable difference between our life then and our life now. Don't you agree with that? There's got to be a difference between how we used to be and how we are now. And that difference is the difference that Jesus makes in your life and in my life when we become followers of Christ. Anybody that, that could look back and see you before and see you after becoming a Christian ought to scratch their head and say, Wow, something has happened in that woman's life. Something has happened in that guy's life. Something has happened in that family because of what Jesus has done. There's got to be good character. And uh, so, so when it came time to select the seven there in Acts chapter 6, uh, and you can read through that list if you want to, but, but if you'll notice in that list, Philip is included. Why? Because Philip was a man of good character, good reputation. Secondly, notice that Philip was spiritual. We have to be spiritual if we're going to effectively share the good news of Jesus. The problem is, so often that we're disconnected from our spiritual life. And that gets in the way of our motivation to share the good news. 
and it gets in the way of our ability to share the good news. There's got to be a spirituality to our lives on an ongoing basis. Notice the second phrase there in Acts 6, 3. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. I heard about the guy one time who said, I want to be so full of the Holy Spirit that if a mosquito bit me on the arm, he'd, he'd uh, fly away singing, there's power in the blood. <laughs> Isn't that right? Full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and that scares some of us to think about the Holy Spirit. And we think about, well, if the Holy Spirit gets too much a hold of me, then I'm going to act in ways I'm not comfortable acting. I'm going to have to give up this and give up that, and I'm going to have to go over here and do things I'm not comfortable with. All I will tell you is this, is that when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of, of you, and when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of me, anything He calls us to give up will be well worth it. And anything He calls us to do, as awkward as it may be, will be well worth it for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So how, full of the Holy Spirit means a Christian who is growing, a Christian who is worshiping, a Christian who is reading their Bible, a Christian who is praying, a Christian who, who is, is continually asking, as it says in Ephesians, I think Ephesians 5, where it says, be, fi be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the context there is this. It means be being filled at all times with the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of a continuously flowing fountain of the Spirit in our lives. I heard the question uh, said one time, you know, the question of being a Christian in the Holy Spirit is not a question of how much of the Holy Spirit do you have. People ask that sometimes. You know, well, how, how much of the Spirit do you have and how much of the Spirit do you have? The question is not how much of the Holy Spirit do you have. The question is how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? And when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of somebody, watch out because the life has changed. So notice the third quality here, and that is the person has to be godly. A sincere person has a reputation, they're spiritual, and they're godly. Notice it says they're full of wisdom, able to know what to do in a given circumstance. There have been many times in my life, just like there are times in your life, you wonder, what am I going to do in this circumstance when I get the doctor's report? What am I going to do in this circumstance where we find out that we're expecting a baby and we're so excited, but we have no money and we have no job? What am I going to do in this circumstance over here when my job has run out and I don't know exactly how to, how to do that? What am I going to do in the situation when I know who I want to share the gospel of Jesus with, but I'm not sure exactly when and I'm not sure exactly how. That's where wisdom comes in. And so, so sincerity, a person with reputation and a spirituality and a godliness about them is a person who is going to be ready when the time comes to share the good news of Jesus. You see, sharing the good news is not just something you all of a sudden decide, I'm going to walk up and I'm going to do it. There needs to be a sincerity of heart and spirit that builds you up and equips you towards that. Sincerity is the first principle. Secondly, I want you to notice the principle of attentiveness. Attentiveness. We have to be attentive to God's voice if we're going to be able to effectively share the good news of Jesus. Uh, notice in verse 26 there of Acts 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza this is a desert place. So is Philip, a man who is, is full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, a man of good repute, all of this is going on in his life, the angel speaks to him. Now let me ask this question. How did the angel speak to him? Wouldn't you like to know? 
Where was he when the angel spoke to him? Wouldn't you like to know that? What was going on around him? And, and how did he know it was an angel? We're not told the answers to those questions. You know why? It's not important. What is important is that the angel spoke to Philip and he said, Go down south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And notice in verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip. The Spirit. The angel spoke to him and now the Spirit of God spoke to him. The angel said, Go over and join this chariot. How did the Spirit speak to him? We don't know. We're not told. All we know is that the Spirit spoke to him. How is it that the Spirit speaks to us? Any way He wants to. <laughs> Anywhere He wants to. Anytime He wants to. If we're listening. If we're listening. Well, how do we know when the Spirit is speaking? And even more importantly, how can, how can I, how can you, how can we together, how can we put ourselves in a position to hear from God. Wouldn't you like to be able to hear from God? Okay, that wasn't a trick question. Wouldn't we like to be able to hear from God? Yes, we would. So, so, so when, we, when we want to know, how can I let God speak to me? How can I give God my attention so that He can speak to me? One of the, the, the most, most, most clear answers to that question I have found years ago, and I continue to go back there uh, over and over again, is to the, the Bible study called Experiencing God. There in your listening guide, I put part of a quote. One of the principles of experiencing God, principle number four, actually says this. God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal Himself, His purposes, and His ways. Now, here's the good news. God speaks. Can I get a witness this morning? God speaks. If you, if you look at the first part, God speaks, and then bump down a little bit, you see God speaks to reveal. Why does God speak? He speaks in order to reveal. How does God speak? Now, look at the, at the, at the principle there. God speaks by His Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit speak to us? The biblical principles would dictate to us that God speaks to us by His Holy Spirit as we open and read the Bible. This is God's Word, and He will speak it to us through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit. So we understand that when we read the Bible, we should be so focused on what we're reading and have the right attitude, recognizing God is going to use His Spirit to speak to me through the pages of what I read in the Bible. So often, you know how we read the Bible? When I say we, I mean the generic Christian. Do you know how, how we often read the Bible? That is when we read the Bible, because most Christians don't. When most Christians read the Bible, they read it for content, they read it to check off a box, they read it while they're thinking about something else, and, and they don't sit down and really zero in and ask and look for the Holy Spirit to speak. How does the Holy Spirit speak to us? If you want to hear from God, open your Bible, read it regularly, and recognize God's going to use that word on the page to be empowered by His Spirit to speak to you. Also recognize this. God speaks by His Spirit through the Bible and through prayer. Prayer is a wonderful gift. We have access to the Creator of the universe. I have a hard time getting somebody on the phone when I call for technical support for an item I have. But I have direct access to the Creator of the universe. You know what happens with most Christians in prayer? It's kind of like most Christians in the Bible. When they pray, 
They're thinking about something else. When they pray, they're, they're, they're praying very briefly. When they pray, it's often a recited prayer they said a hundred times and can say without thinking, which is what often happens in prayer for Christians. When the reality is, understand this, when we pray, we're opening the door and giving our attention to God so that He can speak to us through His Holy Spirit. Isn't that good news? I hope that will energize your Bible reading and your prayer life. But then notice this, through our circumstances. God speaks to us by His Holy Spirit through our circumstances. What's happening in your life right now? When you get, when you get a few minutes, not right now because I don't want you to be distracted, but, but after the service sometime this afternoon in the next couple of days, sit down with a pen and paper and just write down what's happening in your life. At the top of your list, like the top of mine is, I'm busy. That's what's happening in my life. I'm busy. I'm so busy, I don't have time to sit down and make a list of what's happening in my life. But if we'll make ourselves do that, then understand and recognize this. This situation at your job, the situation with your health, the situation with your finances, the situation with your parents, the situation with your children, make a list and look over that list and ask the question, Oh God, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say to me? Oftentimes when, when I do something like that, God says to me, Slow down, focus more on me, and focus less on what you're doing. God speaks through our circumstances. And then God speaks through the church. Did you know that? God speaks through the church. God speaks to us through the church. The church is the, the assembled body of believers. The, the, the church is not the building. Can I, get a, can I get an amen to that? The church is not the building. The church is the body that meets in the building. Therefore, the church can meet in a beautiful sanctuary worship center like this. The church can meet in a gym across the breezeway like we'll do in a few minutes. The church can meet down the street. The church, listen, don't get upset with me, but I'm telling you the truth. The church can meet in a bar. Church can meet in a drug house. Taking the light to the darkness. But listen, God speaks through the church. That's why it's so important. And, and listen, I'm not just trying to, 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 to whip you into shape to make sure you're in church every single Sunday. For the sake of being in church every single Sunday. But understand, God speaks through the church. That's why it's important to be connected to a connect group on a Sunday morning. Or, 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 or any other D group or any group you can be a part of. Because God uses that group to speak into your life. God uses the worship service on a Sunday morning to speak into your life. The, the, the beautiful hymns that we've sung about one day He's coming. The, the song that the choir sang about knowing face to face we're going to stand in the presence of God. The, the, the Lord speaks to us through the, the, the preaching of His Word. And that's where I get any confidence I've got is knowing that it's not me. God's going to speak through what I'm saying if I'm being biblical and I'm prayed up and I'm being spirit-led. God's going to speak to me and, and, and through me. And what's going to happen is you're going to hear from God in church. The Bible, prayer, circumstances in church. And what, what does he do? He reveals himself. What is it he reveals? Three things. He reveals himself, who he is. God loves to display his greatness to us. When we let him speak. He reveals himself. And he reveals his purpose. Why is it. That bad things. Happen to good people. And why is it that good things. Seem to happen to bad people. Why is it this one. Gets all the, all the money. And all the fame and all the fortune. When they live in a wretched life. And this one over here. Is living a poor pitiful existence. Mired down with all kind of health issues. And other problems. But they're the most godly person. Why? When God speaks through His Spirit, we come to understand at least what little we can now, who He is, His purpose is what He's doing, 
and his ways. Why is he doing it? Why is God doing what he's doing? If you're watching NFL football, I'm not watching it much right now, but the playoffs are going on. And the Minnesota Vikings played, was it the San Francisco 49ers yesterday? Okay, so the Vikings played the 49ers, and the 49ers won. That's all I know. But what I do know is last week, the quarterback for the Vikings was interviewed, and he said, winning and losing is not important. What's important is Jesus Christ. So why did the Vikings lose yesterday? It's so that God could display his greatness and his ways through the testimony of the losing quarterback. I don't know if that's it or not, but I know that's how God works. So all of that. So, so, so it takes attentiveness. We have to pay attention to what God is saying in and through our lives. So, so make sure you jot that quote down and make sure you put it into your thought process for, for each day going forward. There's a third, there's a third principle that we have to have if, if God is going to use us to share the good news with that person you've already jotted down or you're thinking about there in your listening guide. And the third, the third principle is a principle of willingness. I have to be willing to do what God's called me to do. I have to be willing to be obedient. I, another word for this is I have to be submissive to God's will over my will. I have to be willing for God's will to take priority over my will and my schedule. Let me give you several things we have to be willing to do. For one is, we have to be willing to use our schedule. To use your schedule as needed for the gospel. To be, to be willing for God to interrupt your day with a phone call. To interrupt your, your evening with a visit. To interrupt your, 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 your work schedule with an opportunity. To, to interrupt your, your, your trip with, with a conversation. You have to be willing for, for, for God to have control over your schedule. Some of us are so scheduled, God couldn't make an appointment for five years to get in our life. And so we have to say, okay, Lord, here's my schedule for the day on my, on my cell phone or on my computer, on my calendar, whatever it is. Lord, I'm, I'm yours today. Or in the middle of a very busy time, when you really don't have the time, God gives you an opportunity and is saying, okay, Lord, I know that, that doing this for you is more important than this project I'm working on for work. Because if you give it to me now, you know it's more important than this. We have to give God our schedule. We also have to, to be willing to take direction. It's so hard for Christians to take direction from God. Now, God, I'm willing to live for you, but here's my stipulations. <laughs> Lord, I'm willing to follow you, but you have to follow me in doing these things. And Lord, when, when I look around the circle, I, I need to pray. And, and in my prayers, I'm not going to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I'm going to pray, Lord, listen to me. I'm trying to tell you what to do here. It takes a willingness to take direction. God directed Philip from Samaria to go down to Gaza. He directed Philip to the right person at the right place at the right time in a way that Philip had no idea. All Philip said to God was, yes. And we have to be willing to do the same thing. Thirdly, we have to have a willingness to go to the desert. A willingness to go to the desert, in the heat, in the sun. Now, I want you to notice this map up on the screen here. I'm going to try to use my pointer like I'm smart. But if, if, you, if you think about this, here's, here's Jerusalem where Philip was. And then the, the persecution took place. They scattered. They went all the way up to Samaria. Here's where Philip is. And then God speaks to him and says, I want you to go down to the desert road. So it's 42 miles back to Jerusalem. And it's 50 miles on the desert road down to Gaza. How many miles is that, you that went to school and know better? 
92 miles, hot, desert, sun, probably by himself. If God suddenly said to you, I want you to, I want you to walk down to Fuquay Varina and talk to somebody at the general store, would you be, how, how would that come across to you? Are you willing to do that? Willing to go into the desert. The desert is the place where it's hot and where it's hard. Do you know what it's like out in the world that doesn't know Jesus? It's hot and it's hard. And if God's going to get a witness and God's going to get the good news of Jesus out to places where you go already or even to places where he might send you that you're not even thinking about going, you have to be willing to go out into the desert area where it's hot and where it's hard. Fourth, a fourth thing about being willing is you have to be willing to engage with people. You have to be willing to engage with people. It's hard to share the gospel if you're not willing to talk to somebody. It's hard to share. And you know one of the biggest fears people have is talking to people they don't know. One of the biggest anxieties that people have is carrying a conversation about any topic. One of the most awkward feelings that people have in general who are Christians is sharing the good news of Jesus with somebody else. And it shows because our churches across the board are not reaching people. The Christian movement is not, is not taking root. It's not taking off. There, there's not, we're not reaching our, our generation. We're not reaching our culture. We're not influencing with the gospel like generations past have. It's not happening. Why is that not happening? Because oftentimes we're not engaging with people. Now the eunuch here is an official of the treasury in the court of the queen of Ethiopia. It could have been anybody. It just happened to be this guy. And the eunuch here represents many people today. The eunuch is unnamed. So, so what we're going to say for, for a couple of minutes here is that the eunuch represents people that are outside of Jesus. Let's look at some qualities that this eunuch brings to light because it also are qualities that, that, that many people in our world have. And on one hand, many people are religious. They read the scripture, they seek truth, but there's no saving faith in Jesus. People today answering surveys, this phenomenal what people today will say on a survey. On one hand, they say they have no use for the church. But those same people, on the other hand, say they're very spiritual themselves. So they're spiritual or religious, but without a relationship with Christ. Another characteristic of this eunuch that is true, and that is sincerely searching, sincerely wanting to know and connect with God, but sincerely lost. And separated from God. Another quality of the eunuch that's so common today is, is being an outsider. They're outside the, the church, outside of, of the Christian family, outside of Christian fellowship, outside of, of the Christian church. They're outside of the reach of the church because they're not coming in and, and the reality is the church is not going out. Another quality is being a slave. The eunuch in Ethiopia was a slave. He was in servitude to the queen with no choice in the matter. And the reality about a generation of people in our world in every generation is that people are enslaved to sin without Jesus to set them free. And we need to understand that. Another quality is, is he was searching for God. And people today are searching everywhere for God. <laughs> they're searching under rocks. They're thinking the rocks are God. They're looking at the, at the planets, and they're thinking the planets are God. They're looking at, at, at all kinds of things and, and assigning divinity to them, but they're not assigning divinity to the one true God that's out there. 
They're searching. This, this eunuch was searching. He was willing to travel by chariot across a desert over 200 miles one way to get to Jerusalem in order to worship God. But notice also about this eunuch, which I believe is so true of the generation that we're in, and that is open, open to the gospel, open to listening, open to hearing, open to know. And so we have to understand that, but also recognize here that just as in the day in which Philip was conversing with the eunuch, in our day as well, God is at work. And oftentimes, God is already at work before he ever brings us in. God was already at work in the life of this eunuch whom Philip had never heard of, whom Philip had never heard, never seen, didn't know anything about. And all of a sudden, he's open to God. And so God brings him in to what God is already doing. Understand that when God opens the door for you and I, it's in a place where he's already at work. He's already working there. And he brings us in. Notice what God is doing. He is preparing people. He is preparing people to be responsive to the Spirit. He's preparing people to be ready and to be eager. And as the, as the eunuch went away, he went away how? Rejoicing. Because he had found the answer to his questions. He had found the one who set him free from the bondage of sin. And his soul had been lightened and his way had been set. And he now knew Jesus as Lord and Savior. In the book of Romans chapter 10, we find these words. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can I get an amen to that? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How is it that people come to know God prepares the person God brings the person in, and then God directs him by his spirit. See, it's, it's, it's a God thing. And we have to be willing to be a part of what God is doing. Very quickly, we also have to be willing to observe the circumstances that we're in. Look around and see where we are. Philip saw the man riding in the chariot. He heard the man, and the way he was talking, he was questioning. And so, so you have to observe the circumstances. And then we have to be willing, uh, number six, to ask an appropriate question, to give an appropriate comment. To, to know where we're at, what's going on, and then ask the question, engage the conversation, get it started and get it rolling. Not be like a bulldozer in a china shop, but just listen and look for the right opening and the right opportunity. Philip simply said, hey, do you understand that you're reading? And the guy said, no. How can I understand this unless somebody tells me about it? Seventh, we have to be willing to answer questions. The guy asked Philip, Verse 34, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this, himself or somebody else? Who's, who's Isaiah talking about here? And it reminds us, people have all kinds of questions today, don't they? What is the purpose of life? Why are we here? What is, what is life all about? Is there a God? And if so, where is he? And how can I connect to him? People are asking all kinds of questions. We have to be willing to answer them from the scriptures. And then we have to be, eighth, we have to be willing to share the good news. We have to know the good news, experience the good news, and then be willing to share the good news with somebody else. That's a scary proposition. I know that. The eunuch was reading from Isaiah 53 in the Old Testament. 
written 700 years before Jesus was born. But in Isaiah 53, here's what we find prophesied about Jesus. We find in verse 1 and 2, His birth. In verse 3, His ministry. In verse 4 to 9, His death. And in verses 10 to 12, His resurrection. 700 years before Jesus was born, God prepared the way in the book of Isaiah. So that when Philip joined the eunuch in the chariot, he could say, oh yeah, this is 700 years old, but let me tell you how it was fulfilled recently in and through the person of Jesus Christ. Then we have to be willing to affirm someone's faith. Willing to, to see the outward expression of their inward conversion. That's baptism. That's why we, we're so excited around here when people are baptized. We're, we're so excited if we have to adjust our schedule. We're so excited when people get to wear those great blue t-shirts that, 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 that say raised from death to life, as it says in Scripture. Baptism is such a beautiful picture of that. Well, there's another principle to effectively sharing the good news. And I have to be all too brief here. And that is the principle of persistence. If at first the person doesn't respond, don't give up. Be persistent. Don't beat them over the head. Don't twist their arm. Don't make them hate to see you coming. And don't let it be the last person that you share with. What we see about the life of Philip is that down the road, Acts 21, several chapters, several years later, Philip is now living in Caesarea. He's now known as an evangelist. He has four daughters who are preachers. They're prophet, they prophesy. And there he hosted Paul and his companions. We're not told anything at all what happens in those years. All we know is he went to, Philippi, went to Caesarea. He was preaching the good news. He's known as an evangelist. His children are involved in the ministry. And no doubt, even though the Bible doesn't say, we know that he's bound to have had some fruitful ministry as God has opened doors over and over again. Because why? He was persistent. I want to ask you, if you will, to think about someone whom God would lay upon your heart that doesn't know Jesus as Savior. Who would that be? Maybe you've already jotted their name down. Maybe you could jot it down now. Take it home with you. Make it a matter of prayer. Maybe that person is you, and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. I would say even today could be that great day of salvation. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want to ask if we can pray today that, that the qualities of being an effective witness would be present in each of our lives. Is that okay if I pray that today? I'm not just praying it for me, but I'm praying it for all of us together as the, as the church family of Ridgecrest Baptist Church, that the qualities of being an effective witness would be present in each of our lives. That's your life. So I'm praying today for you to be effective and knowing and living out the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and looking for ways to effectively live it out and share it with others so that those principles we talked about of being sincere and attentive and willing and persistent, that those qualities might be real in each of our lives and make a huge difference in the lives that, that we live and the lives of those that we impact at whatever level, that we might be willing to listen to what God has to say to us and willing to go where He says go, to do what He says do, to speak to whom He gives us to speak. Our Heavenly Father, today, I want to pray that we would each in this room, as believers and followers of Christ, that we would each have the qualities of being an effective witness, that we might each recognize what it means to live our faith and share our faith. 
I pray, Lord, today for all of us in this room to have one specific person already identified whose name we can write down in our bulletin, whose name we can keep in our heart and in our mind, whose name we can pray for, that you would open the right door at the right time for us or someone to share the gospel with them. I pray, Lord, if we haven't identified even one person, that you would do that even now, even today. Help us to search our minds and help us to search our circumstances and our, 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 our activities. And would you just make it clear who that one person is? Lord, I pray today that you would make us available to share the good news with anyone. That it might be somebody right spur of the moment that, Lord, we, we had no idea about, but, Lord, you've been working in that person's life for a long time, and all of a sudden you want to call us in so that we can share that good news. Make us available, I pray. Lord, it may be awkward. It may be a little scary. But I pray you'd make us willing and that you'd make us available. I pray, Lord, today for those who are seeking to find God, just like that eunuch, going to great lengths to find out who you are so they can worship you and know you. I pray, Lord, for those today to continue the search that you might use us, Lord, to answer that search and be useful to your kingdom. Lord, make us sincere. Lord, make us attentive. Lord, make us willing. Lord, make us persistent. That we won't give up. That we won't give in. That we won't give out. And that we live for your glory as we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.